The church's one foundation is he who promised, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is our text. Practically every day we hear about a new scandal affecting the church. Maybe it's a pastor, maybe it's a priest, maybe it's somebody else in the hierarchy of the church. We've all seen those images of once thriving churches in Europe, great cathedrals that that now are little more than museums. Things seem to be trending that way in our own nation as weekend worship attendance continues to dwindle year by year, pretty much across the board, including in our own congregation. And the church has less and less influence and is respected less and less by those around us. A lot of people these days look at those facts and draw what to them is the obvious conclusion that the church is in decline maybe obsolete, or at the very least, irrelevant. Do you believe that? I don't. Partly because this is nothing new, although I know it feels very new to us. But mostly because I trust the one who made that promise, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. During this month of September, we're joining Jesus on his mission of of redeeming and restoring all things to the kingdom of God, as Pastor Adams explained to us last weekend. It's encouraging, isn't it, to, to know that we are joining Jesus. We are going with him as he continues to be at work in our world. It's also encouraging to know that it's not just Jesus and me. It's not just Jesus and you. It is Jesus and all of us. Jesus and the church. Now, that doesn't take away any individual responsibility from us. We each still have an important role to play in the church. It's just to say that together as the church... We are best equipped and positioned to join Jesus on his mission. So I'd like to invite you to uh, turn to page two of the service folder for the uh, sermon outline to follow along there. Because the first point is just what we've been talking about, that the Lord's mission is entrusted to the Lord's church. Pastor Adams last week talked about the words of St. Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 that, that God has reconciled us and the world to himself. He forgot to put a copyright on those sermon slides, so I borrowed one of them. That, uh, that highlights that, two verses from 2 Corinthians 5. What I'd like to do right now is to zero in just on that top verse and then to actually finish what Paul had written there. Through Christ, God reconciled us to himself and gave us, entrusted to us, the ministry of reconciliation. The Lord's mission is entrusted 
to the Lord's church. Which means that the mission came first. Someone once said, it's okay to say that the church has a mission. It's better to say that the mission has a church. It was for the sake of his mission that Jesus formed his church. And he trusts us to partner with him in carrying out that mission. Our text tells us that the church is built on the marvelous truth which Peter confessed there in Caesarea Philippi. Really, there's two parts to his confession. We, we tend to put them together because, uh, well, we're looking at this through 2,000 years of, of New Testament history and teaching. There really were two parts to it. The first is where Peter says of Jesus, you are the Christ. You might recall that Christ is, a, is the Greek way of saying Messiah. And in a way, there was nothing really surprising about Peter's confession that Jesus was the Christ or the Messiah. God's people had been expecting, anticipating the Messiah for centuries. And every once in a while, somebody came along that they identified as being the Messiah. They were always wrong until now when Peter correctly identifies Jesus as the Messiah, the Christ. But his next statement was astonishing. You are the son of the living God. Coming out of the culture and and the theology in which Peter was raised, which was so strict, there is one God and only one God. And and for him to make an almost idolatrous statement that says, this man is the son of God. And and to say almost like there's, well, there's God and, and then there's the son of God. What a shock that must have been for those who heard Peter say that. Maybe he was shocked at the words when they came out of his mouth. Even more surprising, the way this Christ, this son of the living God, went about carrying out his mission by suffering and dying for all of humanity. This is the mission and the message that is entrusted to us. The message that we ourselves confess and believe. And that faith is is what makes us a part of the Lord's church, which means we also have the Lord's mission placed upon us. So many blessings you well know associated with being a part of the Lord's church, the, the joy and the peace of knowing Christ, the support and encouragement that we receive from being with others who know Christ, the privilege we have of gathering every weekend to hear the word of the Lord, to receive the body and blood of of Jesus. And in in most Christian, maybe all Christian churches, I, I know it's certainly true here, to be ministered to in every season of our lives with with various programs that the church carries out. But you know there's something we have to look out for. We have something very good here in our congregation, and in our community. And we have to think about what that means for us to whom have been entrusted the Lord's mission. How do we go about that? Your sermon outline is, is going to, um, to use two words. 
and really kind of set them against each other. Sometimes they're used synonymously, and that's all right, but, but I'm, I'm using them in a little different nuance today that I think is important for us to consider. What are we going to do with this mission and, and this message? Are we going to protect it? Sounds like maybe something we ought to do. But so often when we go to protect something, what do we do? Here's the, here's the, the fill in the blank. We lock it down. We make sure that, that nobody can get at it. Because we, we don't want it to be polluted or diluted or contaminated. Is that what it means that the Lord of the church has entrusted his mission to his church? Not at all. Rather, we are called to preserve his message. And, and while we try to protect something often by locking it down, one way to preserve something, and this is certainly the case with the gospel, is not to lock it down, but to let it loose. To get it out there. The gospel doesn't need to be protected. It's the power of God for salvation. We just need to let it loose. To do what the Lord intends for it to do. That's why the second main point of the sermon outline says that the Lord's mission is extended through the Lord's church. That's what St. Paul is talking about in today's epistle lesson. Through the church. Paul says, the manifold wisdom of God is being made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That's the angels. And we, we think of angels as pretty much knowing everything, don't we? And, and, and they know a lot. They know more than I do. They know more than you do. But we know one thing they do not know. And that is what it feels like to experience God's forgiveness in our lives. And then to be able to share that forgiveness with others. To know what you can't know, as Paul said, that, that surpasses knowledge. To experience by faith what you can't know in your intellect. The peace that comes with forgiveness. The manifold wisdom of God. Paul had told us just earlier what that is. The manifold wisdom is that he was called, and we are too, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God. For everyone. All are welcome here in Christ's church, in our congregation. In the early church, when the gospel was let loose... There was no stopping it. In the 21st century, when the gospel is let loose, there will be no stopping it. As the church, Paul also says in our epistle lesson, brings glory to God. Now, he intended that all along. I think it's okay to think of the, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament as being the church of the Old Testament. The church, the Christian church, was founded on the rock, Peter's confession, by the Savior. But I think we can talk about the Old Testament church being Israel. And our Old Testament lesson tells us what the Old Testament church was supposed to be doing. They were supposed to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Way different from all of those who are around them. That was how they were called to live 
in response to God's great deliverance of them from that terrible suffering they were experiencing in Egypt. How did they do? They didn't always do so well at living differently than those around them. Now maybe this is why, I don't know, but um, it's kind of like God said, all right, I'm going to give another group a chance. Now, my Old Testament people didn't really get the job done. I'm going to do it through the church. And St. Peter echoes, parallels those words of our Old Testament lesson when he, speaking to the church, says, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Which means that we bring glory to God when we as individuals live out God's desire that we live in accordance with his will. Let's get back to our text. The gates of hell, Jesus says, shall not prevail against the church of God. That verse reminds us that we are under attack every day by Satan. Sometimes he attacks us with a full frontal assault when the church is brutally persecuted as is happening in so many parts of the world today. In our nation, though, I don't think it's so much a full frontal assault as it is a sneak attack. As he attacks each of us individually. Tempting us to greed or to pride or to lust or maybe simply to indifference about the love of the Savior and and what that means in our lives. The verse reminds us that the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. That verse reminds us that we are under attack. But you know, that's not what the verse is about. It reminds us of that. But what it's about is that we are on the attack. In the old days, gates were a very important part of the defensive system of a city to protect the city when it's under attack. And what Jesus is saying is, now it's time for the church to wage war on Satan, to attack the gates of hell, not to conquer hell, but to rescue those who otherwise would spend eternity there. We're reading uh, together the the book, Joining Jesus on His Mission, and I'm going to read just a brief section of that now, where Greg Finke says, Every Sunday, Christians gather in worship around, around Jesus through His Word and sacraments. Then we are sent out to join Jesus as He carries out His redemptive mission in our community the rest of the week. This is the ancient rhythm of God's people, gathering and going, coming together for worship, going back out for mission, coming to church on Sunday, and being the church on Monday. Maybe another way we could, we could say that is that on Sunday, we storm the gates of heaven with our praise and our petitions. On Monday, we storm the gates of hell with our words and our actions. And where are these gates of hell that cannot prevail against the church of God? They are all over the world. And right here in our own community, 
That's why we are joining Jesus. And that's what we'll be talking about the next couple weeks. We talk about joining Jesus into the world and then joining Jesus in our everyday lives. Joining Jesus on his mission. So we are called to do. That's what we are privileged to do. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.